Attention all you rule breakers, you misfits and troublemakers, all you free spirits and pioneers, all you visionaries and nonconformists. Everything the establishment has told you is wrong with you is actually what's right with you. You see things others don't. You are hardwired to change the world. You are listening to the Spiritual Activist Radio Show, and I am Rahasia Uncensored where we look at the world not as it is, but as we know it can be, if and only if we have the courage to question the answers we've been given. This is our world, and it's time for us to take it back. Hello, I just wanted to give a a quick introduction for what you're about to listen to. It's me going for a walk on my property, and I wanted to do something to let people that follow me just sort of see how I feel, not so much what I think. Uh, I think what's coming is going to be a surprise to most people, but I don't want to get into that. But I think a lot of you can um, identify with a lot of what I'm saying. And if you stick around till the very last part of the walk, uh, there's some interesting information there that I think you'll find uh, valuable in the time to come and the days to come. So I hope you enjoy this and I'm just walking around my property and you'll get to see my backyard basically. Um, Thanks for listening. Hello, I am uh, Rahasia and I'm up here on my property right now. As you might see, uh, just looking around here a little bit. I bought a bunch of firewood over here and uh, walking down the road and back to my property. I'm surrounded by pretty much, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred acres, really. Um, just wanted to talk to you today and um, let you know some of my feelings about what's going on. Uh, I've pretty much stayed off of social media. I keep getting deleted and kicked off. My YouTubes get deleted because I don't match the... Uh, accepted guidelines of YouTube, Facebook, all of the rest of them. Basically, I'm just asking questions. Um, and I, I don't even know what to say anymore, except I'm going through something right now that I, I think a lot of people might be going through. Um, and it has to do with my friends, close friends. I I see them being so polarized, and I can tell what news programs they're watching by talking with them a little bit. doesn't take much to figure that out. CNN, MSNBC, and the the other ones, you know, on on the internet, Newsmax and all that, um, gives you a different point of view, Epic News. Uh, my magazine, Lotus Guide. Um, but what what has me, I don't know, in a quandary, and, and sort of sad too, is the fact that I feel like I'm losing my friends, close friends, close friends I've had for years. I I moved to this community in North Northern California. Uh, about 19 years ago, something like that, started a magazine, and uh, 
I felt like, you know what? I've been all over the world. You know, India, Mexico, Brazil, all through Central and South America. And looking for answers, you know, doing the meditation guru thing and uh, figuring it all out little by little. So I was ready to travel when I was traveling. I was ready to settle down when I got that feeling to settle down. And I came up to Northern California and I felt, you know what, this is a home. This is my home. I'm going to look at the time right now so I can sort of time this. And uh, how many people do you know that still carries a pocket watch? Okay, I just want to time this because I want to put this on my podcast. And that has to be uh, 50, 55 minutes. BBS radio. Rahasia Uncensored. And, uh, which is odd because I find myself censoring myself now. How does that work? Back to my friends. I see them going through something. Uh, I guess you could call it cognitive dissonance, uh, confirmation bias, a lot of different things, you know. It's cold out here. Um, and, and I see the fact that they're, they're, not, they're not able to understand what I'm talking about. And what I'm talking about is, well, it just came up, I mean, there, there's so many things. The reason I'm having a hard time finding the words is because we're in uncharted territory. Um, talking about the vaccinations that are coming out. Well, first place, they're not vaccinations. I mean, it takes so much just to catch somebody up on what's going on. And um, if, if you can't catch them up to a, a certain point, everything you say falls into their bullshit conspiracy theory pile. And by the time you catch them up, if you can, um, I don't even know exactly where I'm going with that. And, and I know some of you might find this sort of boring, but uh, I, I don't have a script. Never have. I, I, I've run my life unscripted. And uh, just basically living life one step at a time. And uh, seems to have worked out. Still alive. They haven't caught me yet. Put me in some kind of detention camp. Speaking of which, you know, I heard on the uh, traditional news, I won't say which news program, but <clears throat> they're actually talking about coming out and finding the Trump supporters, people voted for Trump, supported Trump, and actually actually talking about this. They're talking about coming and picking up their children and putting them in deprogramming camps. Of course, they, that won't happen, uh, especially with Trump supporters. I mean, you, you try going to a Trump supporter's house 
and take their kids and see what happens. It won't happen. But the fact that they're even talking about that. I remember being in um, Nevada City with a friend of mine, Michael D. Martino, does Golden Road Television. And <clears throat> this lady came came there and we were giving a, a talk. Excuse me. <clears throat> I was on a panel. And um, she said the way that she got uh, glyphosate Roundup out of the county was to first go to the schools and uh, tell them or ask, ask them, could you please not spray the children with toxic poisons? And I'm thinking to myself, you know, we shouldn't let that question just sort of slide over our heads without asking, how, how did we get here? 50, 60 years ago, if you were to told your parents or grandparents, hey, in 50 or 60 years from now, we're going to have to go to schools and ask them to please don't spray our children with toxic carcinogenic poisons. They would have just laughed at us. You have gone off the deep end. You are a conspiracy theorist. Well, now when they say that they're going to come and pick up the children of Trump supporters and put them in re-education camps because they're part of a cult, there's, there's over 70 million of those people that voted for Trump, by the way. That means there's probably at least 150 million kids we're talking about. Never going to happen. Never. But doesn't mean they can't try. And it doesn't mean that we can't look at this and ask questions. You know, wh why are we headed this way? Why are we even entertaining the idea of going into people's homes and taking their children? This is why, and, and this is this is why it's so difficult because to even explain what I'm going to explain takes a lot of information and catching up. When, when you have a birth certificate, and the moment you sign that birth certificate, you have signed your children over to the state. So, legally, they have the right to do that. Morally, eh, not so much. You know, not so much. At all. You know, the, one of the examples I used in an article I just wrote for the Lotus Guide is... We have so many sayings and quotes that um, we just take for granted and we skirt along the superficial surface of them and never really ask the deeper questions. And the example I use is it's our, our, the amendment for free speech doesn't allow to give the person that's in a theater the uh, right to scream fire. Well, that's obviously not a good thing to do. Unless, unless there's a fire. Now, I, I was recently uh, kicked off YouTube again with one of my YouTubes because I questioned uh, the possibility that maybe just maybe 
there were some improprieties of election fraud. No, 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 you can't ask that. No, that is uh, verboten. How did we get here? How did we, how do we get out of here? Well, I think it's called civil disobedience. With civil dis disobedience, we might have a chance. Maybe. <clears throat> I mean, I, I've never been really a Trump supporter. Um, although I, I admire his tenacity, his, <laughs> I don't even know what you call it. But he's also an embarrassment. Uh, I, I wish we would have had a better spokesperson. But what I, what I have admired mostly is what he represents. He represents the guy on the wall telling us, hey, you better pay attention because from up here I see what's coming. And they're coming after you. I'm just the messenger. I'm in the way. I think if I ever wrote another book, I wrote a book, wrote a couple books. One was 12 Spiritual Laws of Recovery, which never really went over too good because the 12-step the people never accepted it. They always want you to give all your power away to uh, whatever. And my first step was what you resist persists, which happens to be the truth, by the way. As I'm walking along here, you can see I, I have a lot of land around me here. Um, we actually have to watch out for bears and cougars. And we have one neighbor, I don't want to mention his name, but one neighbor, he, he was actually our, probably one of our closest neighbors. He was born in the house he's in. And I asked him one time, I said, man, because I've been all over the place. I, it, Settling down is never part of my nature. Seems like it might be that way now, too. But I asked him, I said, you were born in this house? And he says, yeah, I was born here. I said, man. He says, well, 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 wait, 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 wait. I, I did have to get away for a while. I said, oh, where, where'd you go? And I'm thinking, well, you, you know, went to Europe or something. It, no, he, he, he went through Chico. It's like 20 miles away. That was his idea of getting away. Really nice guy. My other neighbor over here, he raises cattle. And um, about 15 head a year, something like that. They've been there for three generations. His grandfather, he used to ride horses with his grandfather and herd the cattle down to somewhere around Durham or someplace. But he said a little over the years that, you know, it became more and more difficult because fences and roads and all the other stuff comes along with it. Now here's, here's where I come to a fork in the road. Which way do I go? Do I go that way or do I go that way? Well, if I go that way, which I think I will, 
I go the other way, it just goes back in the hills. And there's a really nice spring here, by the way. There's really good water. Uh, we have a creek, flume, a well, all kinds of water. I really feel fortunate for that. Which adds to my sadness that someday we might have to move away simply because we're being truthful and asking truthful questions, we might get socially pushed out of Northern California. Um, here's a little stream down here. I mean, it's such a beautiful place to live. And like I say, I, I just started walking from my house. As you can see, there's nobody back there. I just pushed the wrong button, by the way. Um, so we're just continuing on. So here's what I see. If you're not, if I'm not boring you to death by now, here's what I see is happening. And this is where it's going to get strange. And and I've saved this part of the conversation for those of you that wants to endure the first part, might be able to get to. Okay, I'm just going to say it. I, I am starting to wonder. There's something very strange going on. I see it in people. It, it almost seems like I'm, I'm waking up in the movie Invasion or Invasion of the Body Snatchers or something. When I'm down in the city and uh, I don't wear a mask uh, based upon that ugly word, science and facts, um, I, people look at me like I'm a serial killer, but I had one lady, I was going into the post office, and she scrambles to get over against the wall out of the way of me, and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, she's actually afraid that a coronavirus is going to jump off of me and jump onto her. Uh, what, what kind of nonsense is she listening to? I don't know what to say to these people, but I do know one thing. When I'm looking at them, there's something wrong. Um, I've been listening. Uh, I remember a while back I interviewed uh, Dr. David Jacobson, who wrote a book called uh, The Threat. And him, along with a lot of other UFO investigators, um, have come to the conclusion after many years of researching uh, Jacques Vallée and others that the answer of what are aliens here for has become a little creepy and scary to them. I remember David Jacobson telling me, he says, you know, in the beginning it was exciting. 40 years ago, he says, but about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I, I started realizing these, these are interdimensional, possibly even demonic creatures. I remember reading some of the Gnostic uh, writings, and they talk about the Archons, and in their language, they were trying to explain that they're interdimensional creatures comes in and inhabits our bodies. 
And I think we've all wondered, why is it that a politician, uh, he can say his blah, 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 blah. And we, we know they're lying, you know. But it also seems like after they get into office, they really, really change. Uh, something happens that doesn't seem quite human. Um, could it be? I mean, okay, picture this. If you're an alien being from an advanced civilization, um, another dimension, you have all kinds of powers and you can do this stuff. And it's assuming that there's a little bit of a modicum of truth in the Bible and most religious and ancient writings that talks about this. Who would you come into this realm and take over? I don't know. I, I would have to say bankers, politicians, uh, and, and I would stick with those family bloodlines. And assuming that they started this a long time ago, which seems like they did, um, those bloodlines would be very powerful today. You already know where I'm going with this. I mean, the Rothschilds, Morgans, and Stanleys, and now the Bushes. And we think about it. Uh, Colonel General Smedley Butler. Uh, hardly anybody knows this guy. But if it wasn't for him, we'd probably be speaking German today. Uh, Chase Bank, uh, Prescott Bush, uh, you know, the grandfather and great-grandfather of, uh, I want to keep on walking here and show you our neighbor's place up here. It's, it's funny. You know, he was the great-grandfather or the grandfather and the father of two presidents, and he tried to overthrow our government. Chase Bank is one of the biggest banks in America. They were caught trying to overthrow through a coup d'etat of our government didn't work but later on I, I think really I really think based upon evidence the moment that bullet went into John F Kennedy's head we lost our government that was a coup d'etat um, I was talking to Robert Kennedy jr. about this and he says totally yet we we still have 30, 35% of the population that believes in the magic bullet. Uh, so we're all asked to pretend like that wasn't a coup d'etat by the CIA, the mob, and some other interest. Then there's Robert Kennedy. <clears throat> His son, Robert Kennedy Jr., told me. You can look up my interview with him online but he told me that when he was really looking into this he didn't want to go into the conspiracy thing about his dad but when he realized that all eight bullets was an eight bullet revolver all eight bullets were accounted for in the wall and other people not one of them hit his dad 
a bullet went into the back of his head and he fell on a CIA agent. Now, call me a conspiracy theorist. They just call me uh, a critical thinker. But something tells me that Sirhan Sirhan did not kill Robert Kennedy Jr. <clears throat> now we have 9-11. There's still people asking uh, and actually believing that it was committed totally by a bunch of terrorists with uh, box cutters, uh, most of whom are still alive, oddly enough. But there's over 2,000 architects and engineers that have sworn affidavits, testimonies that those were demolitions, especially Building 7 is the most obvious. I mean, I, I could keep on walking. Look at this. This is why I love living up here. I'm not running into people. I'm becoming a hermit, I think, you know? I used to laugh at old men that were hermits and think, well, how do you get there? Well, one step at a time. Over here's our, this, this little house over here was built in 1887, I think. But all these things are happening, and I think it's been a, a slow progression to get us to where we're at today, to where we could actually have a fraudulent, um, this is why I was kicked off of YouTube, by the way, a fraudulent election. Uh, anybody with a couple of brain cells to bump together, looking at the evidence, would come to the same conclusion. And, and facts are these pesky little things. I, I think it was Mark Twain that said that. Facts goes beyond the boundaries of Republicans and Democrats. I, I, I don't care which side of the fence you're on. It's fact stays the same. <clears throat> One side, please don't call me a Trumper or, or a never Trumper or anything. It, it's, this is so far beyond politics, it's stupid to even stop there. Just, it gets a little frustrating talking to people because I know I'm talking to a wide variety of audience. Uh, most of you are probably, especially if you're still with me right now, you're pretty well informed and you know I'm getting to something eventually. Um, living in a world that is so indoctrinated and I think it has a lot to do with extraterrestrials I think they're being I mean I I know I'm going to completely undermine my credibility by saying this but I, I think we've been invaded from interdimensional beings probably a long time ago we know Pretty much for a fact, I, I've interviewed Greg Braden, Joe Dispenza, Bruce Lipton, which I'm going to be interviewing him again, see what he thinks about all of this. They've all told me the same thing, that at least twice, I, I think three times, in our genetic history, we have had 
outside intervention that could not have happened in nature. It had to happen in a lab. Um, I remember Greg Braden telling me one of those times <clears throat> when we were taken from 48 to 46 chromosomes, four of the chromosomes were taken apart, spliced together, which brought us from 48 to 46. He said not only were the, the ends of the, the chromosomes taken apart, the telomeres, spliced together, but any redundancy was clicked off. He says that, that and that was done in a, in a really, really uh, high-tech kind of a situation. <clears throat> we have remnants of this. I'm, walk, I'm, I'm looking around a little bit because we have bears back here too. I should have brought my bear spray. We have remnants of this written in ancient texts, like the Bible. The, the gods from above, seeing the daughters to be fair, and took them, raped them, basically, uh, whomever they chose. That means that there was no choice on the, the part of the uh, women here. And those first offspring were considered a sin. They were the, uh, the, the men of renown, the giants. And this is why it was uh, decided to flood the planet out and uh, basically get rid of us. But <clears throat> God sort of fucked up. He, he didn't get rid of all of us. Uh, few of us were seen in his favor. Uh, like Noah, you know, the alcoholic drunk, um, and, and we propagated from there. I'm pretty sure that that's just partially the truth, like all stories we get. <clears throat> Look into Vedic literature. Uh, in my book, To Believe or Not to Believe, The Social and Neurological Consequences of Belief Systems, I got in the last third of the book is about looking into ancient text. And granted, I I probably should have published it right about now instead of so many years ago, because it way before its time. Although it's picking up speed now on Amazon. Um, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata, they, they all talk about the same thing. Uh, the manas, the UFOs flying around, having battles. These, these people that uh, genetically altered us, they were not gods. If they were gods, they were really fucked up and screwed up because I tell you, they made some, I think, cosmic mistakes. And I, and I think if there is a cosmic law, this is why they're not here right now at least showing themselves because what they did was against probably the prime directive speaking of Star Trek they interfered in an evolutionary planet and the evolutionary species and upgraded us to the point to where we could be slaves work in their gold mines and all that I'm assuming you guys have a lot of this knowledge, otherwise you probably think I'm completely out of my mind. But um, they didn't upgrade us enough to where we would be 
greater than they are. Uh, that's when we built the Tower of Babel. And they got together and said, oh, my God, if they can do this, they're going to be doing these things and even greater things. And uh, they could come after us, uh, which I think they did after a while. You know. But uh, it should explain why they took off. <clears throat> they told Noah, they said, you'll know when the floods are coming and the cataclysms are coming because you'll look off into the east and you'll see the fire from our rockets. Now that tells me if they were still in using, still using rocket-propelled explosions to blast them off, but they were, we're there now. We're probably past that. Um, if, you, if you read some of the science now that we're using in rockets and satellites, we're past where they were. So here we are today. I'm just meandering along, and as you can see, I. This is just sort of like flowing out. This is like a lifetime of looking at events and studying books. I've, I've read <clears throat> most of Gurdjieff and Ospensky. Uh, I did a really interesting uh, interview with uh, John Anthony West. It's on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> he, he passed away now. I... I went into that interview with a whole list of questions I was going to talk to him about. But it came up early in the interview that we were both uh, avid readers of Kurjeev and Ospensky. And it just went down that road of talking about uh, Kurjeev and Ospensky. And if you haven't read these guys, uh, it's no big surprise. Even if you're philosopher students, it's this is the underground reading for philosophy. Uh, and it's it's tough. Uh, it, it takes half a lifetime just to get confused reading what they're talking about. <clears throat> Oddly enough, I ended up in India uh, in an Osho ashram in Pune, and Osho was also. I wouldn't call him a follower, but he was an avid reader of Gurdjieff and Ospensky. Probably the only two people he never made fun of. Um, he, he was a character. So here we are today. Now what do we do? Because we're in a, a time period where it's pivotal that we grab a hold and start steering this boat because um, right now we have someone that has Alzheimer's or dementia or just losing his mind and he has his finger on the nuclear button. Now, <clears throat> I don't think that's a good thing. If I was in another country it might make me sort of leery of the United States, even more leery than what I would already be. Uh, we're in a 20-year war in Afghanistan, and nobody knows why, unless it was just to guard the poppy fields. Uh, we know the Bushes were instrumental in bringing heroin into this country, 
the CIA was instrumental in bringing most of the cocaine into this country with, with Bobby Seals and all these people involved in that, and the Clintons. And, and I, I, now you're, I, I don't think I have to worry about you guys calling me a conspiracy theorist at this point because if you're that kind of person, you probably clicked off a long time ago. We're in a mess. And um, without extreme civil disobedience, maybe we've seen the last days of the United States of America. And that would be a shame. I mean, for me, I, the United States, it's more than just a piece of dirt in the middle of two oceans. Uh, it, it's the greatest, grandest experiment in time of social justice and bringing people together from all walks of life. People have died during the Revolutionary War. And there were just a few people during that time period that um, fought that war. And they, they fought it against the most powerful empire on the planet. A bunch of ragtag farmers with pitchforks and single shot guns and just uh, an extreme desire for freedom. <clears throat> those descendants are here today. That's where we are. Um, except we're not a ragtag bunch of farmers with uh, pitchforks and single shot rifles and stuff. This could get ugly if we don't figure out how to stop this before it gets started. Last thing I would want would be a confrontation because that will destroy this country. Uh, this is why China wants to take away all of our guns. Of course they do. Can you imagine China trying to take take over any country with a lot of guns? No, it, it <clears throat> wouldn't happen. We're not allowed to call the Wuhan virus the Wuhan virus, but yet every other virus and disease has had a name from where it came from, Ebola, whatever, Spanish flu, but we can't call this the Chinese virus, the Wuhan virus. We have to call it COVID-19. They've yet to really pin it down. But now we've come up with a vaccination that's really not a vaccination by the very definition. It's a, a treatment. They don't want to call it a treatment because if they do, people are going to say, well, there's other treatments. Hydroxychloroquine, I can never say that name. Ivermectin. Um, and the, these treatments have been working in other countries. Uh, in Africa, it's called the Sunday Sunday drug because everybody takes it once a week and they just carry it around like you carry aspirins around. 
but I can't talk about this. This will, this will probably, fortunately, I'm not that popular on YouTube, so I haven't become a target just yet, but I will be. The fact that I've had some of my YouTubes taken down means they're looking. They're looking at my Facebook because they get taken down immediately. Could be AI. Although I, I misspell certain words to try to get around that. We're going to lose our country. That's really sad. No. I was born in West by God, Virginia. <clears throat> Got a shotgun when I was eight years old. Uh, I used to play back in the hills on the same hills and rocks that my grandfather played in, my dad played in. We moved out to California when I was 10, back in 1958. The uh, space age craziness that was going on at the time. My dad could get a job as a machinist. Coming out here, I seen a UFO, which is probably one of my most valued experiences because it opened my mind. I'd already been reading books uh, about UFOs and stuff when I was even younger like seven and eight, it's always fascinated me. It always amazed me that people think that we're the only ones. <clears throat> but uh, on the train coming out somewhere in Mexico or Arizona maybe, um, seeing a cigar shaped, later on I found out that that was pretty popular at that time too sort of a glowing red kind of a thing coming alongside the train that we were on. The whole train load of people seeing it. The strange thing is I didn't tell anybody for about three years. I told my cousin and then I told him not to tell anybody. Another thing I seen that was really strange, and I'm really conscientious of sharing things like this and being truthful. It's important that we do this. Um, coming from Las Vegas, I used to deal cards in Las Vegas. My wife and I and another couple was driving through the desert. We looked down to the side and <clears throat> seen a caravan of motorhomes down in this little valley. And uh, we pulled over. Granted, we were smoking a joint, pulled over, smoked a joint, and we're watching this caravan of motorhomes make a little circle. They were probably uh, 500 yards away, uh, big enough we could see the people. We thought, well, that's weird, but they're probably just camping or something. Then we seen a bunch of uh, fog roll in out of nowhere totally out of nowhere. 
rolled in and we could still see the headlights glowing through the fog and then the headlights went off I guess because the brightness went down and the fog dissipated and there was no place for those motorhomes to go so when the fog went away the motorhomes weren't there this happened within 10 minutes 15 at the most and we looked at each other and said okay did you guys see what I see? We all compared notes and yes, you know. They they just disappeared. A couple other things in my life tells me that there's more to this reality than uh, what I've been told. I started asking questions even at six years old in West Virginia. Uh, Sunday school, I got kicked out because I, I asked the Sunday school teacher, he was teaching us early Bible, Genesis and all that. In the beginning, blah, 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 blah. God was well pleased with us. Uh, he invented all the birds and the animals and us. As a six-year-old, I'm just taking his word for it. But, you know, he's an adult. He must know what he's talking about. Well, next week we come back and... Uh, we continue on, and, and God tries to drown us all. And I went, whoa, whoa, wait a minute here. Raised my hand. I said, I thought God was really happy with us. That was my first clue that God didn't know what he was talking about, if that's the truth. And the, the second thing, he's really capricious, vengeful, which he even says he is in the Bible. And I asked him, what, why did he try to drown us all? Well, then it came up because where did the wives of Adam and Eve come from? I mean, these are questions that a six-year-old kid can ask. But I learned early, you, there's certain questions you don't ask. And, uh, but I, I didn't learn my lesson. Uh. I don't know, our, our magazine, I don't know if it'll last, because I, I can't keep still, can't keep quiet, even if I have to move from this country uh, to keep on talking. Right? Anyway, I think our time is about up. Let me look at my pocket watch. Let's see what time it is. Yes, I actually carry a pocket watch once in a while. Uh, yeah. Yeah, probably have to cut it off here pretty soon. Um, I, ju I guess I'll just leave you with the idea that <clears throat> we're all in this together. And if we don't learn to love each other and come together, um, we're going to get what we deserve. That's a hard one to admit. We will get what we deserve. For those of you who don't know me, um, my wife and I publish a magazine here in Northern California. We're just a couple of people. Uh, realizing that we're mortal, we all breathe the same air, like 
John F. Kennedy was talking about. Um, are we trying to figure out life? And I, I find myself in a position where I'm talking about things I don't really want to talk about. I'd rather be talking about the expansion of consciousness, finding the, the link to this biology that has with soul and spirit, and figuring out ways to evolve consciously on this planet. <clears throat> in the next issue, I think I have time to lay this out. It's, it's, pretty, it's one of the best analogies that I can come up with uh, that I've heard from other people, uh, mostly Bruce Lipton. He says you can compare what's going on right now to the metamorphosis of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. And that's usually where we stop, you know? Like, don't yell in a crowded theater. Well, maybe there's a fire. Well, maybe there's more to that story. What they know now is when a caterpillar pretty much devours its environment, uh, there's some inner intuition that it doesn't even know about that causes it to go and hang upside down and spin a chrysalis. And when it does that, thank God, otherwise we'd have like 500 pound caterpillars all over the planet eating everything up. Uh, that's their whole job is to just devour. When it breaks down inside the chrysalis, if you would break it open, uh, it would just be a bunch of goop. You, you would swear up and down there's no life there. But there is. Most of the cells in that chrysalis that comes from the breaking down of the caterpillar are pretty much just the cells of the caterpillar. They don't they don't know what the hell is going on. But inside the chrysalis there are something that Bruce Lipton told me, he says, now this is what biologists actually call it, imaginal cells. These imaginal cells holds the code, the, the genetic pattern of the butterfly. And um, they know now that the passing of those codes are passed on to all the other cells and tells them what the future holds how to do it, how to be it. Some of the cells inside the chrysalis can't do it. It's called apoptosis. And they commit suicide. We see that happening in our planet right now. A lot of suicides. And it's because they, they can't tune in to what's to come and they can't let go of what was and will never be again. We are at the tail end of being a caterpillar society. We've devoured and screwed up our environment something fierce. We've outgrown ourselves and now we're in the, the chrysalis, the breaking down. And inside this breaking down of chaos, madness that we see, there are imaginary cells, imaginary planetary cells that holds the pattern of what we need to become. And if we can tune into that, we can tune into it and pull that pattern into ourself, we will find out what we're supposed to be. That's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm trying to, trying to see what, what is it that I am supposed to do right now 
to be part and help manifest a better world. We don't have to fight against the old world. It's gone. It's, it's going to It is collapsing. It's a mess right now. What we need to do is find out what we're supposed to be done. And if there are good extraterrestrials, which I think there are, now is the time we can use some assistance right now. But we need to take responsibility and ask the right questions, come up with at least some of the answers, or try, and dig down inside and be brave because this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy at all. But we can do this. And this is a window of opportunity that comes along probably every 26,920 years. It's a procession of the equinox that opens up these windows and gates that the Mayans talk about, the Aztecs talk about, the Hopis talk about. This is a particular place in time where we can become something different. A friend of mine, Jack Alice, up in Mount Shasta, you might want to look him up. He, he's on top of this pretty good with indigenous people and figuring all this stuff out. If you want to get a hold of me or if you want to support our channel, i got to do that plug now. Uh, you can email me at rahasya, R-A-H-A-S-Y-A, at USA.com. You can visit our website at lotusguide.com. You can watch or listen to my BBS radio uh, podcast, which is bbsradio.com forward slash spiritual activist. Um, what else? If you want to make any donations, we, we do have a nonprofit uh, donation that you can uh, get all that information. Just email me and I'll send you a link. Uh, we have a PayPal on our website that has all that information. And obviously we could use support because uh, we don't get big, huge government grants for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, email me. I, I do go through my emails. I only get maybe 100 a day, which sounds like a lot. But, um, I, I, I wade through them. You want to talk to me, you want to get in touch, you want to make a donation, whatever you want to do, just get a hold of me. Um, and we'll talk. Uh, thank you for your time and thank you for going for the walk with me and uh, checking out my world. Take care.